You are listening to the Therefore a Geek podcast, episode 83. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Therefore a Geek. I'm Andrew. I'm Tracy. And I'm Lance Friedman. What are we listening to, Lance Friedman? I'm listening to Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> this is a Hulk. Oh, shit. Hulk smash. Punch, punch, punch the microphone. This will sound annoying on the recording. Is that annoying? It sounds annoying. And my day just got longer. <laughs> <laughs> I found this little guy in a gar- on, like, on top of a garbage can on Park Ave. I was like, oh, this is... This shouldn't be a homeless guy's toy. This should be mine. <laughs> nice. You stole from a homeless guy. No, I, I preemptively took before a homeless guy. I thought it was mine. Okay. I preempted the homeless man. I think that's better, but I'm not sure. They all have smartphones, so I really don't feel bad for them out here. That's true. I've heard that story. Did I ever tell you that? I was like dropping the car off. Tracy, you know about this? I was dropping the car for the mechanic. I was going to kill some time. And like where where I drop my car off, there's always these homeless guys at like all the corners looking for money. Yep. So I'm killing time at like a Barnes & Noble or a Starbucks. And I see, like, the same dude who was at the corner, like, on a smartphone, drinking, a, like, a large fucking Starbucks latte. Like, the same guy I had just seen on the corner. And I was like, weren't you homeless a second ago? <laughs> Not anymore. Uh-huh. Not at the moment. Not at the moment. I... Yeah, man. I had, so when I first came to D.C., I didn't, I mean, I guess I had heard about the homeless problem, but I didn't get it right so i think it was like my second week and i had just figured out the whole bus system so there's no metro where i live because there was an old lady many years ago that stopped them from having a metro uh, metro station in georgetown because she didn't think that the riffraff should come this far up anyways so all i had the only option i have for public i've been right is, for the wrong reasons <laughs> right well as my story is about to tell you right so i get on the bus and this lady I mean, whatever. She's got all of her stuff in bags, and they're covering all of the seats in the front of the bus. And this is one of the shorter buses. So don't comment on how I ride the short bus to work. Andrew, Uh, I saw your face. I know what you were thinking. So she's covered all of the seats with her stuff. And I get on the bus, and I see all these people standing. It's pouring rain outside. Like, everybody's miserable. So I say, ma'am, do you think maybe you could move some of your bags so that people can sit down? And and so here's here's the problem. Tracy... Tracy has not ridden enough mass transit to realize that she has just spoken to the crazy person. Yeah, you do I... not talk. <laughs> First off, I don't want to hear anyone complain about manspreading after this story. That's <laughs> bullshit to begin with. And then you've Good got, one. yeah, you. the cardinal rule is you do not talk to people on the bus or in the men's room. Those are the two rules. You, do, just, you do not speak. Do not make oh, eye contact man. with people on the subway. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. She... And she freaked at you? Oh, my God. Well, she freaked, like, around me because she couldn't make any kind of eye contact. She was very clearly schizo or something. So she couldn't make eye contact with me, but she was willing to yell in kind of this circle around the top of my head about crazy white bitch. I'm not going to move for her. Who does she think she is? Blah, 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 blah. And I got to listen to that for 20 minutes while I rode into work. You deserve that. I guess. But you know what? I'm not anymore naive about the bus. Yeah, yeah. Oh. I'm so glad uh, that happened to you. That made me thanks. feel so good. That's Thank a you. heartwarming story. <laughs> so, somewhat in, in, in the vein of, of what we're doing today, we're actually going to talk some, some stories from Comic-Con. Dude, you and I did this a long time ago. Uh, it was actually your first podcast appearance. And yeah, probably ever. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah it was. Ever. And uh, so we still have a few that we haven't covered, plus Tracy wasn't a part of it. Uh, however, before before we get into that, kind of keeping in the, the Comic-Con mentality, uh, I want to talk, there's an article out from The Hollywood Reporter this past week, and did you kind of call it like a, a, one of the worst kept secrets in Hollywood? Yeah, basically. I mean, it has to do with stars getting rich off of conventions, like the amount of money celebrities make at shows. And, 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 and it's, look, it's you impressive. Should, you should like put air quotes over the word celebrity because there are folks making money that are really not quite celebrities anymore. 
and they're still doing pretty good for themselves. Yeah, although I mean the 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 the, the biggest money makers here are definitely still what I would say so are celebrities. Oh sure, sure. But do you remember that episode of Entourage where they uh, they go to Comic Con with the drama? Yep. And like by this point, like Vince has already hit it big, but drama had like that sci-fi show that lasted like two seasons. Yep. And like he's the big star at Comic Con and not Vince. Yeah. It was like I think I think we're with drama today. <laughs> it's like that's basically it. That was a great episode too. Yeah, especially with uh, Jesse Jane wearing a strap on. Yeah, well, that was good. Go after Dwight from The Office. Yeah, that's right. Oh, <laughs> it was awesome. Forgot about that. Because Dwight was basically playing some sort of Harry Knowles character, trying to bring bring someone down. I forgot who. Oh they my just gosh, tried, Harry tried, Knowles trying to bring down There's Vince. A... Bro, yeah, trying to bring down Vince. So they just <laughs> so Turtle six the porn stars on him. Yeah. Back in the good old days when porn stars and playmates were actually at big conventions. Which I never really understood. Do you guys have, a, like, a background reasoning for that? They nerds can make, like to I jerk mean, off? They can I mean, make, what, they can make I money. Don't know. I, uh, yeah, it's make okay. money. And nerds like, and, like, trust me, if you're, if you know the ins and outs of, of a superhero world, you know the ins and outs of the porn world also. Explain that. How do you well, mean? I don't know how this needs to be explained. No, it's I'm, like, I'm not tracking what you mean by that either, man. Porn is big, right? Sure. Yes, really big. It's a multi-multi-billion dollar industry. And if you are the kind of person who likes to memorize facts about things you're into, i.e. baseball or comic books, and you know issues and writers and characters and what happened... That same thing applies to the names of adult film actresses. You, oh, I see. You if you're a fan of one, it makes sense to be a fan of the other. Okay, that yeah. I got you. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, you're always seeing things that don't seem to quite jive with a, with a geek culture at conventions. I mean, all the time. It's but demographics, it's, really. It's like It's not that those two have any overlap, right? Comic books and porn or playmates don't necessarily have an overlap but their demographics have an overlap gotcha yeah that makes sense i mean that that really makes sense and especially somewhere like new york even if the demographics didn't overlap particularly well you just you have a significantly a significant quantity of people right you're you're able to put yourself out in front of all of these people and people are coming for the spectacle of the convention that aren't necessarily one with the culture as well as in a big city like that that and and then the, the, my final thought on that also is there's there's a bizarre collector niche for playboy that's true especially that's now true. that they're not doing nude oh has that has that jump started like a collection of the old stuff or new stuff i would imagine it would could you i mean like think of it this way it's like you're you're you've got the magazine that doesn't do nudes anymore so it's it's like, hey, remember back in the day where, where Playboy used to do naked stuff? Hmm. Yeah, I could see that, maybe. Kind of like older Rolling Stones or Mad Magazine or whatever. Or, or even know, Nintendo Power. I have heavy metal, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So, I mean, it's just collectors will collect But these days, it's not just Playmates. It's like big-name stars are doing really big money. I mean, Stephen Amell, is that how you pronounce his name? Stephen Amell? Amell? Amell. The guy from Arrow. Um... He what did they say he was making like two hundred thousand dollars in a weekend? They're estimate estimating two hundred and fifty thousand a weekend. Wow. Which in theory is more than he makes per episode on Arrow. Yeah. I mean, granted there are more episodes in Arrow than I'm sure conventions that he goes to in a year, but still sure, that's but how significant. Much, how, amount much of money. Time, how much time does it take to sh- to shoot an episode of television? About a about a week, right? Sure. Yeah. I mean it depends, but let's call it a week. In yeah. four days of sitting on his ass and signing his name and standing for pictures, Stephen Amell makes more than he does for a week's worth of actual work on a television show. Yeah. And and really, when he goes in, he's not there for the full day like you or I would be. He's there for an hour to do signatures, for an hour and a half to do photos, right? Per um, day. Don't be I mean, a... a little bit more. It could yeah. be anywhere from like maybe they'll sit there for like two, three hours, go take lunch for a couple hours and then come back. 
Yeah, I mean, I've, it all depends. So, some of the bigger stars I've seen you know, do a little bit less at the time, but some of the ones who are who are like lesser stars, like the the cast of Star Trek, they'll go they'll go sign autographs for two or three hours, go do pictures for two hours, take a couple hours for lunch, then go back and do some more signing. Maybe so, do a panel. Yeah. yeah, I mean they'll they'll work most of the day. Work. Yeah. Which well, yeah, that's what. Yeah. But that's that's the point, right? That that they're doing something that at least for me would be fairly fun. Although Andrew and I have worked a couple of cons for the blog and podcast and at the end of the day like the bags under our eyes are just insane because of the, just seeing people and talking to people and being on all day is a lot. But still, I mean, I would say it's fun. I always leave with a smile on my face. I, I mean, it's even if it's plastered. Yeah, it is certainly exhausting. <laughs> Anyway, I mean, more power to them. I'm glad that we're starting to see people that are a little more current as opposed to, you know, the washed up stars or the has-beens or the people from shows that were canceled 10 years ago. I mean, you, you, still, I mean, you still see those. Like, I was I was scrolling yeah. through the, the, the list for New York Comic Con, and uh, one of the actresses from Hocus Pocus is going to be there. Oh, Wow. That makes sense because all of a sudden, in the last year or two, that movie has this resurgence of popularity. I don't know what happened, but that it suddenly became a thing. No, and and I'm I'm aware of that, but like when you compare, you know, a 20 year old movie that wasn't overly popular in the first place, Mm -mm. or you know, compare that to like you're you're at the same convention with a lot of other people who are doing a lot more current, a lot more popular stuff. Yeah, and and really popular stuff. I mean, there's. But then again, I was I was looking at the list, and Alan Tudyk's going to be there. Mila Jovovich is going to be there. Um, there's a couple others. I, I I had ended up making lists of the people that I actually do want to see, or at least want to make an attempt to see while I'm there. Yeah, I mean, you're not even you're not even hitting some of the some of the big ones though. I mean, the biggest one yeah. I can remember was the guys like Sly Stallone was at New York last year. I was there. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. It was like five hundred dollars for an autograph or something. Well, that was like the um, that was like the year that um, Sigourney Weaver was there. And it was like it was like three or four hundred dollars, mm-hmm. and I was like, nope. Mm-mm. But I mean, even with some like, they're, they're talking like some of the bigger ones uh, in this article. Obviously, uh, Chris Evans and uh, Norman Reedus are the two the two huge ones they point out. Yeah. Did you ever um, see the movie The Wrestler? I did not actually. I know. I know. With, I mean, uh, with, with Mickey Rourke, do you, you see it? There's a great scene that, like, I think a lot of people who've been going to cons a lot longer, especially a lot longer than us, can relate to. Is like what it used to look like was all those like really washed up star, like you know, washed up and or just not popular folks anymore. And the, the Mickey Rourke character is like signing autographs at like a wrestling convention in new jersey somewhere and it's like in a church basement and there's like just maybe half a dozen tables and there's all these like old beat up wrestlers and you could see like their the little like uh what's the what's the bag the, the catheter bag around their ankle <laughs> like filling up and stuff like that it's just super super sad i mean we got there used to, we used to get, it looked like that you know we used to get some of that though at the, the big apple con a little bit. It was not as like dr- dramatic, but yeah, we definitely saw a little bit of that. No, although I think, I think one of the, one of my favorite things from from the Big Apple Con was, you know, many years later, Tracy and I went to. Crap, I don't even remember what show it was that you and I went it to. It was New York. Was it New York? Okay. Was, yeah. If. I can't. I can't remember where. I couldn't remember if it was New York or not. Uh, we went. We ran into the guys from Atomic Robo. And dude, you and I ran into them like right after their first book had come out mm. at the Big Apple Con. And I remember turning to you and I was just like, Yeah, you know, this is this is interesting, but you know, I'm not really convinced they're gonna go anywhere. And then you know, obviously they put out I think ten ten trades worth and the it's a kind of an indie indie hit. Yep. Which I've never read by the way. It's, never... actually, it's actually really quite good. Never bothered with it. I should probably try that. But you should, I, it's cute. It's, it's so so Tracy and I went up to the guys and I mentioned I mentioned that that they said that it happened, and both of them had a physical reaction when I mentioned the Big Apple Con. They both had a physical shudder, mm-hmm. and it was like, 
like and, and I've been telling Tracy like about the Big Apple Con and and <laughs> I mean you didn't believe me well no I I just figured you were slightly exaggerating for the sake of the story apparently not mm-hmm. no I mean that place was a dump yeah I mean like it was like a ballroom floor that was like coming up but instead of like beating the boards back down, they just covered it with resin. Yeah. Oh. And that and that's where that's where they covered it. Like it was a in other places, it was a ballroom floor that was coming up, and then it looked like they just took a weed whacker to it. <laughs> like it was. Yeah, they just like it was filed demol- it down. <laughs> demolished. Oh my gosh. Yeah, the floor, floors were super uneven. It was dark. I mean, the ceiling was only like, what, maybe a foot over my head. Well, it depends on where you were. That's right? true. So, like, in the autograph areas, they it was a really low ceiling. And then on the show floor, it actually had some breathing room. Because St. Mark's Comic put their giant Hulk up there. That's right. Yeah. But but other than that, it was it was pretty depressing. Yeah, it was dark. Certain, like, was... the artist alley was really depressed. That's why I could see them having shutters. Because the artist alley area was really, really low and tucked off into this, like, L-shaped corner and... You know, the funny part, they weren't even in Artist Alley. They were downstairs by the escalator. Oh, yeah, that, well, that's even funnier. <laughs> that, that, yeah, there, it was like them, uh, Frank Cho was there for at one point, and like a bunch of Games Workshop crap right when we were done with Games Workshop. Do you remember when I yelled at the Games Workshop guys for about an hour? Yep. Wait, and what? I, I that, really... that actually, I think that may have actually been the same convention shortly shortly before or after i was so tired of the and and it wasn't really i was yelling at them like it was their fault i was just complaining loudly and and the guy was like look basically all your complaints are valid but you're not going to get the ear of any of the games workshop people you can call them up and it's just like yelling at the barista at starbucks (laughs) well yeah that's a good point but yeah there was this too many rules changes too many codex changes and I was like, this is just ridiculous. I just can we at least stick to a goddamn system and play it to perfection? Yeah. It was just awful. What I don't get is why would you come to a convention, spend money on a convention just to play a game you can play anytime you want? It's like, oh, let's play a game in public. That that never that never got me. It was like that didn't make any sense. Unless they didn't pay to get in there. I don't remember if you had to pay to get to the lower ends. Yeah, I mean it wasn't much. It was like ten or fifteen dollars. No, it was actually very affordable, which made it work. Yeah. It also was super convenient. It was right across from Penn Station. Yeah, and that's where we met Walter Koenig. Yep. He he kind of didn't believe me when I said Star Trek Six was my favorite one. Or he apologized for it. Yep. <laughs> for how it went. That's right, because you guys referenced this on the Star Trek episode, and I was doing the show notes for that, and I was digging everywhere to find out where Walter Koenig actually apologize for it and then afterward i realized that you were saying that he apologized to you personally for yes it. just personally <laughs> like well so k just has a full-on nerdgasm right, right? Like, I, right I, I get i get starstruck i have a hard time talking with people yeah so well yeah he's 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 not particularly social to begin with and then when you when you hit him with a famous person it doesn't really go any it just kind of goes downhill from there it doesn't, and, it doesn't improve no, Which is then... actually funny, because you met that redhead, uh, what was her name? She was so nice at New York Comic Con a couple years ago. Um, shoot, what was her name? I know who you're talking about, I'm... oh fuck, I'm running a blank. The one from Star Trek DS9. Yes. Chase, yep. Ma- and she was Chase so... Masterson. Yes, and she yeah, was so she... nice, and you had you had no problems talking to her. Yeah, but that's because she caught me off guard. We'll, we'll come back to that one in a second. <laughs> no, it is kind of funny, because like Andrew it will like just fall apart. And I have zero shame. So <laughs> well, we all so knew I, that. Will, I will say whatever is on my mind at that moment without any realization to the consequences of what's going to happen. So I just oh. told him how much I enjoyed Star Trek Six, and then only to come out final years later, like how contentious a filming that was. Yeah, that movie was. Yeah, it was it was a tough one for them to film, apparently. Well, the fun thing about going to conventions with Andrew is that he and I have not we we don't really have the same fandoms as far as that goes. So whenever he's locking up, I'm able to actually talk to the person because half the time I don't even know who they are. So I'm just having this conversation. And then much like when I went to Phoenix and I bumped into Patrick Rothfuss, I had, I mean, I knew this, this was one of the guys that I really liked. And I just sort of bumped into him walking down one of the aisles. I think he was going to his booth to sign stuff. 
and I, I bump smack into him, and then I look at him and I go, uh, you're Patrick Rothfuss, which he, of course, already knew. And he said, yes. And I said, uh, I love your stuff. And then I ran away. <laughs> I legitimately ran away. And then I bumped into, and then I met up with Andrew and Espy, and I was like, uh, I just met Patrick Rothfuss, and I was an idiot. And, we, so, and he and I both just went, um, who? Yeah. Who? <laughs> exactly. So if Andrew Worse, had been there, it was then... me, I would have just followed him to the bathroom. Where are you going? You gonna go pee? <laughs> well, let's go. I don't know if we that's did that to or one worse. guy. You remember this? No. Yeah. So you, you, it's the Twilight Zone guy. Oh God! Yes. Okay. <laughs> so let's set this up because this is actually a pretty good story oh, that we haven't God, told. Yeah. So there was a panel. I forgot what year this was. This could have been 2010 or 2009. Uh, I want to say 2009. Yeah, I think and so. And there was a there was a Twilight Zone panel, and some guys giving up at first a fairly insightful uh, insightful panel on the Twilight Zone, but for the fact that the lights aren't working, like he can't turn them off, and he's trying to. It's a visual presentation. He wants to show clips from the show and stills during. Right, so and they can't turn the lights off. So, so at the Javits Center, be, because the, the rooms are modular, the light controls for the rooms are not in the room. They're off at another location. Oh, and he yeah, was having sense. a really bad time communicating with the convention people and the, the Javits Center people when he needed the lights on and when they needed them off. So they're going on and off at effectively random times. <laughs> and this dude... Uh, at least to start was doing okay, and then just started losing his shit. He started to get really angry, and he's like, he's doing his thing. He's like, hold on, guys, and he'll walk. He walked from the stage out of the, out of the um the panel room, out of the room. But it wasn't like he came in from the side or the back because it's modular. He has to go through the entire audience oh. to the back of the room and out the door. And we're sitting, and the, tell we're sitting the in the back row. Convention volunteer to go tell the maintenance worker to go do something and then he'd come back lights go off and then he's like all right can i get the lights again but i don't think he ever understood that this was a, a game of telephone he was telling the convention volunteer to shout to the maintenance guy and i think the maintenance guy probably was just like turn the lights off walked away right and the convention volunteer had to go find him again turn the lights like they didn't have the understanding that he wanted it on and off throughout the presentation and it was pissing him off as it as it continued so then he like leaves and he's like screaming at the guy, like I'm trying to do a presentation here for these people. I can't look like a complete asshole. Wait, <laughs> what? Don't you fucking call me an asshole? You're a fucking asshole. <laughs> and then yeah. we come back in. And like like we're happens. we're in the back row, so we can hear him have this meltdown with the maintenance worker outside. At the point at which the maintenance guy called him a fucking asshole, we're like, oh, oh god, no. Remember, like when yeah. you just said you you talk to the crazy person on the sub on the on the bus, oh, this is the God. same thing, and yep. he just went for a good five minutes, just screaming red in the face, ballistic at this maintenance guy who just did not give a shit. Yeah, and now somewhere in this mess, he takes like a break or something. I forgot why, and we were like, does he know one of our film professors? Because they just sound so similar. Yeah. That was the thing. They sounded similar. And they seemed like they knew each other. So we were trying to say, are you, a, you know, do you know this person? Because you guys are on, like, the same wavelength. And he was not having it at that point. Right. He was. That's what it is. He took a break from the presentation. And he was going to show a full episode. That's what he was doing. He had the presentation. He was going to show yeah, a full yeah. episode with the original commercials in it. And he was making a big deal out of seeing the original commercials. And I'm like, this sounds exactly like Rocco. And like, so we, we just want to talk to him about it. I was like, do you know this guy? Because like, we're just trying to break the ice with him. And he was not having this icebreaker. No, He basically started laying down glaciers in front of us. He did not want to have this conversation. Probably because, as we soon found out, he was trying to go to the bathroom. Right. And, oh. and un, un, unwitting, unrealist, unrealizingly, that's not a word, but without realizing... Dude and I now. had, yeah, had followed him walked, into followed the him. men's room, <laughs> all the way into the men's room. And like, we, we definitely both had a moment of realization. We're like, this dude's trying to take a leak and we're talking to him. We should probably yeah. go ahead and step out. <laughs> yeah. So 
So we go back, and we're like, all right, cool. So we actually sit near him because we're trying to, like, be friends. <laughs> and he's, he's cooled off a little bit, and we're watching the video, and the lights are off, and everything's fine. We actually finish the episode without a problem. And then questions and answers start. And that's where things just fell off. As you know, if you've been to enough of these conventions, I don't care which, I don't care if it's a comic book convention, I don't care if it's a skeptics convention, I don't care if it's a magic convention. I've been to all of these. Q&A can be the worst, the worst thing ever. Yeah. And it was clear this guy hadn't quite finished his peripheral research. Right. He had, he had got he's he's he is locked down on everything Twilight Zone, but anything kind of tangentially related, he wasn't aware of. So he was getting other facts wrong, or or oh in some places he was straight up dismissive of. Yes, like very so Chris, very much so. Chris is with us, and he asked a question about Philip K. Dick, and I think it was Chris who asked this question. It was Chris. And I don't know the nature of the question, but it was basically like, you know, did Dick write an episode or was was there an influence on Twilight Zone from PKD? And the guy is like, oh, yeah, PKD's totally inspired by the Twilight Zone. And there are people that are going, well, actually, Dick predates the Twilight Zone. Or something Uh-oh. like that. There was yeah. a, it was like he had gotten his time. He's got his he, timeline. He, he ref- Chris referenced something that happened. Yeah. It was about two years before the Twilight Zone. Right. And the guy just refuse to acknowledge that it happened before the twilight zone yeah and then what was interesting is people were trying to ask him to kind of compare and contrast the twilight zone to the outer limits and like how where does it stack up mm-hmm. and it was clear he hadn't watched these other shows ah uh, and, then, so yeah. and then and then proceeded to just just denigrate them yeah at one point he starts screaming can we get back to the twilight zone please and Yikes. I think at that moment I turned to them and go, "We can leave now, right? We're good." Right. <sighs> Although you you've run into him, uh, you ran into him at another panel afterwards. Yeah, that one was About two years later. Uh, but what was funny also because he was doing something called like the auteur theory of comics, where he he had taken the auteur theory of film and see if he could transpose it into comic books, right? So the auteur theory of film is basically uh, films based on who's directing them, have certain signatures and motifs and styles that make them great. And that it is directly related to the director. That is, it is the director who's doing this. It doesn't matter who's the writer or the set designer, all that kind of stuff. And that the, the film a, is uniquely a, recognizable as a product a of the person. Yeah, so like Hitchcock films have a distinct style to them. John yeah. Ford films, Kurosawa films, and then Tarantino, like, even. Yeah, well, I mean, we're talking like these early guys in the studio system. Oh, I see, yep. It was all this kind of production, but within that production, guys like John Ford and Oscar William Wilde and Otto Preminger and and Fritz Lang and all these big time, Howard Hawks, all these kind of directors were skillful enough that you could tell a John Ford film just by looking at it without Mm -hmm. seeing the director's credits. And that was what made them great. So he, tr- it really only works in film for whatever reason. It really just, that theory only holds up in film. And he tries to apply it to comic books. And because of a court case that I'm not entirely familiar with, but it had to do with um, Jack Kirby and the Stan Lee feud. And his basic thesis was, Jack Kirby was the, di- was the director analog to this auteur theory of comic books. So he's basically saying the artist makes the comic book great and it's obvious that it's the artist because you can see it because the artist has uh, idiosyncraticies and style and motifs that he continuously uses throughout, or he or she now, uh, throughout their drawing of a comic book. So he was trying to connect the two. And he was. Okay. that's why he, in his final conclusion was if you grant him all of this stuff about the auteur theory of comics his theory on comics then the conclusion is that jack kirby is actually the creator oh. of 
works behind all the stuff that we love, not Stan Lee. Yeah. Something, okay. something to that effect. Now, keep in mind, I saw this presentation years ago and didn't follow up on it. So I'm going on memory. So I might not be entirely trustworthy on this. No, I mean, yeah, I mean, but still, th that, that's, I mean, that basically sums it up. And I think there's, you know, without going too deep into it, there's, there's some, the Arturo theory works for on for comics on some level, but you know, like you said, it really, it doesn't work the same way as, as it did with film. So here's the funny part about that presentation is we're in a different room, and he's doing the same thing with these like lights, uh, with the with the with the presentation, the projector. Yeah. But the lights are off. But they're automatic. So anytime someone walked into the room, <laughs> the lights came back on, it would like wash the screen out. <laughs> and he was starting to get mad. He was like, can we turn the lights off? And like, the, the again, the volunteers trying to figure it out. And then he was like, oh, right, we're good. Great. And he starts and then all of a sudden the door opens, someone comes and the lights come back on. And this happens <laughs> a bunch of times. Till finally someone's like, they're automatic. Just go. <laughs> and then he had another kind of meltdown, at least from my perspective, during the Q&A. Because the audience didn't fully understand, it's a, it's a bunch of lay people who who just didn't understand the auteur theory of film. So they yeah. were trying to say this this the whole auteur theory falls apart because television. And he was trying to explain to them that no, it's not the auteur theory of television, it's the auteur theory of film. That the two the the, the the two shouldn't work. And I think that the audience was trying to say as well, if you can draw this into comics why can't it work in film or why yeah. can't it work in tv so it was it was one of these like meltdowns and at this point i was like i just sat back and went i'm gonna watch this whole thing nice <laughs> let's see this explode we see you still see him around wearing a cape i forgot the guy's name i mean i saw i saw him at the i i forget his name too i saw him at the last time i saw last time i went to new york i saw him at a booth selling selling one of his books a silver age book yep if yeah. you if you if we see him this week, then you'll have to point him out because I'm I'm curious to see what this guy looks like. Pudgy old middle aged white dude. Yeah. What, what else do you think? It looks like? <laughs> well, I mean, yes, but surely there is something that makes I mean, him stand out. I, th crowd. I think if you do a search for the art, usually the, the giant red of, of comics, I think you find him. Oh, nice. Okay. Or yeah, the Silver Age book. I mean, he writes these big coffee table books. I don't, I don't remember his name. You see him on like Twenty Twenty every now and again. He's like, he is like the yeah. go-to super geek for comic books, like for the for the mainstream media. Huh. interesting. Arlen Schumer is that him? Yeah, I think that's Sounds him. Like it. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I think that I think the panel that most annoyed me was at AwesomeCon this year. And that was, this guy was talking about, he was talking about something to do with um, being an elite DM in Dungeons and Dragons. So I was like, okay, cool. I'm interested. I'll go. Right? Silly, silly thought. So Kurt and I went to AwesomeCon together. So we go into this panel and we sit down. And I think, how, what was it, 83 seconds, Andrew? I sent you a text and was like, we set the record for leaving in the shortest amount of time. It was 83 seconds, I think. Which is we impressive because you and I, you and I, bailed on a Disney panel at MarsCon in under five. Dear God! Oh, I forgot about that panel. So the, you're like the you're, you're the type that just walks out of them, right? You don't want to sit and watch the disaster. Uh, it depends on the disaster. It really depends on how interested I am in in the meltdowns that happen. So in this particular one, it was a single guy sitting up at the front of the room, and they had dimmed the lights. They weren't off, but they were dim. And he was essentially just walking us through campaigns that he had led with all the sound effects that he was making vocally. <laughs> well, that sounds awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, wait, basically, who's that guy who from Police Academy? Yeah, only he wasn't, he wasn't. The, yeah, yeah, he was. He was not that skilled though. So he was like doing the rushing river and the waterfall like with his mouth, and I was like frozen for a second, and then finally I just looked at Kurt and I was like. No. So we want to go? He's like, yes. And off we went. <laughs> we came in. We sat down. We sat there for just a few seconds, and we left. You got Police Academy DMing. That is priceless. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think it would have been more fun if they were actually playing a game up there, but no. I think the irony is that was the same. We've talked about this on the PhoenixCon panel, like the, the, the god-awful George Orwell panel. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. That I think only SB came with me on. So like I really only have like one witness to my my insanity at that is how badly these poor guys who I really think got shafted. I don't, I don't think it's their fault. Like there was another dystopian panel that they were that these guys were supposed to do, but they didn't know enough about all the subject matters. So they had it's like well I read 1984 and then they gave him a panel on 1984, and I I oh. don't think he had time to prep for it. So Yikes. what Scott was essentially a high school, a ten minute high school presentation, and four of those minutes was a video. Oh yikes! Yeah, like a video of like these local news anchors constantly repeating the same phrase, like different local news anchors from different parts of the country constantly repeating the same phrase. You don't need us to tell you the gas prices are high. And I was oh, like, oh yeah, that video I've seen. That. Yeah, they just, it was like four minutes of that video because it was different phrases, and then they just in my mind got the whole idea wrong they didn't know anything about the man they didn't know anything about what he did they barely knew the book and they were trying to draw analogies to today that didn't work and it just made me mad and i just kind of got up on the the dais <laughs> tried to set it straight <laughs> only you dude if, only yeah. you fun th fun there thing, to see it fun thing i, I don't think anyone orwell. would believe me if they didn't see it yeah uh, fun, fun thing i learned about orwell so 1984, obviously, you know, room 101 is a big deal. Mm -hmm. Do you know where that? Yeah. Came, do you know where that came from? He was working for the BBC for the Far East Propaganda Wing, and the room he worked out of was room 101. Yeah, it was the room where they had their staff meetings. Mm -hmm. well, that was nice. interesting. Was, yeah, yeah, he he was he would broadcast to because because he was so familiar with Burma and India, having been a police officer there for six years. Um, oh, this he, is when he shot the elephant. No, 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 about? this is during the war. Oh, okay. He shot the elephant when he was a cop, yes. Um, but during the war, he would broadcast to uh, soldiers and, and, the, and the Commonwealth in Burma and India. Gotcha. You know, telling, basically propagandizing. He was part of the propaganda. Because he was, he just thought this war had to be fought and he was going to fight it. Yeah. And he had a particular uh, ire against the pacifists of the time. Pretty interesting. But yeah, it's... it's um, those guys were so, I don't want to say bad. They were just not prepared. Yeah. And I, I got fired up. And I could have done that. And, like, there were people telling me, like, you probably did a better job on the fly than those guys did prepped. I was like, oh. But that was that was interesting. Do you ever tell the story where I did card tricks with the Playmates and they ignored me? No. You'll like this, right? So after I get over my fear of Playmates, it, it for, like, a couple <laughs> Your of years. Your fear. Yeah. I mean, it, it, was a pretty, it was a pretty scarring. It was terrifying. <laughs> In a world, in a world before razor blades, yeah. I will throw I will throw the, the our previous con stories uh, podcast in the show notes because seriously that is a hilarious story. So, anyways, so, so after that, I made it a matter of like so f at first I'm like terrified of playmates forever. I don't go near them for a couple <laughs> of years, and then it became like a matter of pride that I I I bought their naked pictures, not because I really wanted them. But it was like to prove that I had the ability to do it. You know what I mean? Like I bought them because like I need to get over this fear of buying <laughs> naked pictures from professionally hot women. So like it was this thing where it's like I'm just gonna try and make small talk with them and see if I can buy photographs of their vaginas. And so I was like, well, I do magic and I try and do a card trick for them. Like there's three of them. And <laughs> the best part is they completely f forget that I'm in front of them doing a card trick and start doing their makeup. Like, they are not watching the card trick at all, right? Their handler, like, this guy is watching it. But the, the <laughs> chicks are sitting there, and I'm doing this in front you're of at them. Their, you're at their booth. At the table. Yep. I'm in front of them. They are sitting down, and I'm doing a card trick for them. They don't even have to select anything. It's one of those tricks where I do everything myself. And the guy's watching it, he's really into it, and these women are just sitting there, like, putting on makeup on their nose or fucking on their phone. Like, oh and again, I am God. two feet away from them. <laughs> like, I am in their personal space, and they just don't even realize I exist. And I finish, and I'm waiting for a reaction. And the guy goes, that was pretty good. And the women don't even know it happened. Oh, my gosh. So I was like, all right. 
I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> so are you still afraid of playmates? Well, I don't see we don't see them anymore. Yeah, that's true. They're, they're just, no, but if you did, no, they're afraid of him. They're afraid of me now. Yeah, which is exactly what I wanted to happen. <laughs> I wanted to, you've got you've yeah. got them right where you want them. Yeah. So, right, so I got them right where I want them. Moments away from calling the police. Yep. <laughs> All right. So, so I've I've got I've got two stories. So what the first one is I went up to the Virginia Comic Con many years ago, probably six or seven years ago now, shortly after moving to Virginia, and because I wanted to get Chris Claremont to sign a bunch of stuff because it was one of the years we had gone to Baltimore, and Chris had spent like three hours waiting online for Claremont. And I figured that, like, you know, in a smaller convention like this, I probably had a better chance of, like, actually getting him to sign stuff. Yeah, it turns out I waited five minutes in line, and Chris was super pissed at me for, like, a year. <laughs> but, so I, I had, I brought, he, it was a, it was a max of five books he'd sign. So, like, I carefully picked out a bunch of books. And one of them was uh, Avengers Annual Number 10. He doesn't want to sign the entire short box. Right. Every now we still, you see people bring around with them. Right, and we've and Chris has actually seen him tell people like, "No, I'm done. Like, if you want more signed, get, you can get back online. There are other people waiting," which I, mm -hmm. I think is kind of cool. Yeah. But so Claremont, so the first book he signs is Avengers Annual Number Ten. He signs it and he goes on to the next one, and he stops and goes, "Hey, wait, wait, wait. Well, let me see that Avengers book again." So, okay, they give him the Avengers book back. He looks at you, and he's sitting there staring at it for a minute. And then he just kind of holds it up and like yells across the aisle to uh, Michael Golden. He's like, hey, Michael. Like, Michael Golden's just kind of like, what? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, hey, didn't you do a cover for this? And Michael's like, I, I can't see it. What, what the hell is it? He's like, uh, Avengers Annual Number 10. He's like, well, yeah, I did a cover for that. Well, what happened to it? Well, it, it? It didn't get approved. What do you, what do you, what do you mean it didn't get approved? He's like, who who didn't approve it? Wheezy didn't like Wheezy didn't approve it. What do you mean Wheezy didn't approve it? <laughs> Wheezy being Louise Simonson. He's oh okay okay. So he puts the book down. And he goes on signs the next one. He stops. He goes, hey, let me see the Avengers book again. He starts flipping through it. And he's like, hey hey Michael, so. I was going to tell you to go ahead and go and, and curse out the editor, but I'm listed as co-editor, so let's go ahead and skip that part. <laughs> <laughs> and like, every every time, like, he'd sign a book and then, like, just come right back to the Avengers annual book. It was, but the, the fun part about that was I got to hear, like, Claremont and Michael Golden, like, go back and forth about this book and, like, what Michael Golden's original plan for the cover was and all kinds of other fun. It was, it was, it was like, a, a fun conversation that, to be a part of. Claremont is one of my favorite people at conventions. He is just the most conversational guy, even with you. Like, if, as you're standing there, he'll just have a whole conversation with you about his characters or or something that he thought about when he was doing a book. He's just the nicest guy. Yeah, he was. He was. He was really interesting to to, to listen and talk to. And then I had I had he was sitting next to Larry Hama, and I had Larry Hama sign a book. And Larry's like, "Oh man, back when comics were thirty five cents." And Chris is just like, "Shut up, Larry. We're all old." Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was like okay no the, awesome. the other one though dude you were there for and this is one of the, like one of the best conversations the best stories we have from a convention and that is the story of chris getting engaged because i mean best is a subjective term i mean it was a fan i mean it's it's amazing it's it's amazing and hysterical for us yeah so our, our friend Chris, who, who we've had other stories about, like Chris is a little bit on the twitchy side. We gotta put him on at some point. I, so we do, we like, do. Mm. We've invited him on. He just forgets about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's part of the part of the problem here. Uh, <laughs> so Chris, like I said, Chris is a little on the twitchy side. So we we go to this after party after New York Comic Con, and like this is like maybe 2011. Yeah, sounds about right. Because and, I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't with anyone at the time, so I was still on the hunt for vagina. Right, and w while we were at the convention, uh, a friend of yours 
who oddly enough we had you hadn't seen since high school like a couple years before this you hadn't seen her since high school and we ran into her in line at, a, at the convention well I'll, I'll tell you real quick i was at a panel with james gurney and if you don't know who james gurney is he's the illustrator of dinotopia he's yeah. the writer and illustrator of dinotopia and he was giving a a very serious art lecture about his technique and his style and how he does it it was actually really i mean did i it was useless to me i just wanted to see his art because i think he looks it's great yeah. i want to see if we're selling new shit but he was like doing this really serious like here's what i do this is the if you go to his blog that's what it is it's super how to right and i see this girl walk in and i'm like i recognize this girl i just don't know which one it is because she has a twin oh i don't know, I don't know which one this one is nice but yeah we, we we were hanging out and we that was like 2009 so yeah every, every time we made a trip up we would we would link up with uh, melissa yeah and and uh, M- Melissa had brought along, was it uh, uh, the younger sister of one of your former classmates? Yeah, the younger sister of a girl in my grade. And at the time, I was super crushing on this girl. Like, the one in my grade, I was, like, super crushing on when I was younger. And then, because she was freaking cute. And then, like, I had never seen her younger sister. Like, the first time I saw her younger sister, she was a baby. Right. And oh, now wow. she's, like, 20. She's yep. a woman, and it's like... And she's also really cute. She's super cute, and I'm like, I'm going to try and get you naked tonight. Which nice. That was the goal. It was after party, people <laughs> was drinking, and I'm like, I'm going to try and see if I can get this now, one naked. Hey, what I would like to point out is, at the time, you and I were sharing a hotel room that is 5 by 10 with bunk beds. So I don't mm-hmm. know what your plan was. I mean, <laughs> I, whatever it was, I was going to roll with it. If I was sleeping in the shower, I was sleeping in the shower. No, I, but, I don't know what but, my plan was either. But, the plan was, I'm getting her naked. I don't know what conditions the, we're going to be in, but we're going to try this. And then Chris happened. Yeah. So so uh, we're upstairs somewhere? Yeah, we're upstairs at this, at this bar. I have a cold, and I'm not feeling very well. So like I'm sitting like across from you guys on a different like couch, basically. And I cannot hear anything that is being said it's super at loud. all. I mean, nothing. I cannot hear. I see that you guys are talking and I cannot hear any of it. So all I see is you and her talking. And I'm and, trying and, to do my best at putting on the charm. Right. Which is not to say it's any good. But, I'm just really trying. But yeah, but she, and, and it, and it, it showed. Yeah. But then about every five minutes, Chris would run by, stop, say about a sentence and then run away. And she would look at she would look at Chris or, you know, his his shadow as he's tearing away like he had just said some of the most offensive things ever. And you would just you would have your head down, like trying not to kill Chris. The worst part was he would sit down every now and again and we would like make I try to make a joke. And Chris did not understand the yes and principle. To, right. you know, being funny with friends is you just roll with it. You don't negate because it gets freaking awkward. And he is just negating everything that is being said. Oh, Lord. Not just me, but everything. everyone. Every, he's negating everything. It's just, this is wrong. This is wrong. No, no, no. And he's trying to correct. And he's just slowly sucking the air out of the group. <laughs> right. And I am desperately trying to find ways to keep this funny. So what is he saying to you guys? Like he should, I don't remember the de- I just re- the only thing I really remember is I made a joke and I don't know what it was, but he looked at me really serious at one point was I am at New York City Comic Con and I will do as I please. Like something to that effect. <laughs> and it was like, where the fuck do I go with that? <laughs> right. What in the Like world? what kind of setup is that? Right. So Eventually, she and Melissa, this girl Melissa, leave, and we end up going downstairs. And I'm sitting yeah, next without to... me. Right. No nakedness at all, and she was single. Right. So. And looking for a man. God damn it. <laughs> Bummer. So, we got downstairs. Sure it was supposed to be me, but right. But I was trying. It did. I end up sitting next to Chris's girlfriend, Jessa. And, and... I'm off as far away from them as I can at this point. Right. Because I am super pissed. Right. 
And I, I like I look at Jess. I'm like, what is wrong with Chris? Like he is just just out of control, twitchy, and she just looks. I don't know, but something's fucking wrong. And then like 20 minutes later, you you come back up, dude, and you're just like, all right, let's get the hell out of here. Yeah, I'm done. Yeah, so we went, grabbed a bunch of White Castle, because... We're going to start drinking again. That's basically where we were at this point. It's like, right. ah, if we don't leave now, I'm going to start drinking again. Right, and I had it's been... Right, he's gone. <laughs> I had been drinking some, so... And I was on NyQuil. So we stopped, got some White Castle, and went back to the hotel. <laughs> so next day, get up, you know, to the convention. And after a couple of hours, meet up with Chris and Jessa. And... Like, in general, you and I have a tendency to just overpower Chris conversationally. Yeah. And we are in rare form this morning. Well, partially because I was pissed. So yeah. I, I took every opportunity to rip him a completely new asshole. Right. You know, with, I mean, brand new. Didn't just rip it. <laughs> I ripped it, and then I made a butthole. I gave it the pucker and the butt crack hair, even threw in a hemorrhoid, just so I could just make sure he understood he ruined my night. Right. So, so, so I, and I, I can't say obviously, because we weren't catching on. He was trying to tell us something. Like, right. repeatedly trying to. Finally, Jessa, who we, you know, who we like more than Chris, <laughs> finally was like, guys, 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 stop for a second. Chris has to tell you something. But I want to point out he was doing it visually. He he and Jess's hands were interlocked. Yep. And he was bound. He was kind of bound, like straight arm, swinging the arms back and forth, bouncing their hands in front of me. And I'm like, that's just fucking annoying. What are you doing, right? right. <laughs> just, and then and what he's trying to show is there's something on the hand. Well, so what? At first, he starts trying to tell us, but he can't form words. Yeah, we're not letting him I can either. see and, this. Yeah, and finally we're just like, spit it the fuck out. And so instead of speaking, he then just holds up Jess's hand. We're like, yeah, it, that's Jess's fucking hand. What about it? And Jess finally points <laughs> you at... You guys are so obtuse. Oh my god. Well, so, uh, we are obtuse, That, but in addition to that, we're at a convention and... And this yeah. is what day two or three at this for point. Multiple days. What? Yeah. Right. This yeah. is this is day and four. This I is didn't day four. Get laid the night I was planning on it, so right. I was irritable. And Jess is wearing a Superman ring. Mm-hmm. So the, the part I got to give Chris a lot of credit for is he was actually he had actually just started a new job, and uh, had been going through a lot of financial problems for about two years. Been so unemployed he, for almost eighteen months. Right. So he he didn't actually have money for an actual ring at the time. Homeboy proposed without a ring, so that like that that takes some that takes some balls. Yeah, it does. And it takes significantly less brain cells for him to get the fucking words out. <laughs> so finally, it takes us like fifteen minutes to figure out that he's trying to tell us he proposed to Jessa. So with the Superman ring as the placeholder. Well, he didn't even have the Superman ring the, that at night. He, they oh, bought, but he's they, showing us the Superman right, ring that moment. Yeah. Right. They bought that at the convention, which is probably, again, we're at the convention and she's wearing a Superman ring. That doesn't so the assumption is just, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we're at a, we're at a convention and you're wearing a superhero ring. Congratulations. Yeah, that's really <laughs> it. So, talk and to I'm it. certain we said something snarky to that effect prior to the words of, this is our engagement ring and uh, leaving their face. Right. Like, like we said something nasty and then it was like, oh, oh. well, that's sweet. <laughs> right. Although I do remember my, my words to Chris, like immediately following that. And then the, you know, obligatory congratulations was, all right, so here's the deal. Jessa is good. Jessa is good for you. Don't you fuck this up. <laughs> like just straight up. And the look on Chris, like Jessa laughed, you laughed. The look on Chris's face was like, Oh, oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> I can see that happening too. But, so so I talked to Jessa about this years later. That this being one of my favorite times. She's like about like at, at a convention in general. And she's like, No, 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 wait. Let me tell you what actually happened after you left. Cause apparently Chris just Right. Because apparently Chris just got even even more and more awkward. And he was drinking. Right. And even more and more drunk. 
So oh, that night, that the night, night that he proposed. Right. Okay. So Jessa basically has to drag him and put him into the cab. They get and she's mad. Right. She is not happy with his ass. She's not happy. She's mad because he is twitchy as shit right now, and he's drunk. And he's like acting embarrassingly in front of her friends. Right. So they get home. Chris falls out of the cab. Like oh, onto God. the street. Like drunk fall, like, oh shit, I can't brace myself. Right. Whap. She basically has to pull him up. They get in front of the house, and Chris is down on one knee. Jessa assumed he fell again. <laughs> and then and then he proposes. To I which, can only imagine which, how which, that <laughs> sounds like. You're the best person I've ever been. Uh, here. Well, so Jessa didn't believe him Would at you first. You marry me. Jessa's. I mean, she's. She may kill me for saying this. She didn't believe him at first. <laughs> like, did not believe he was actually serious. Finally realized he was serious. Said yes. Next morning, like rolls over and looks. She's like, "Do you know what happened last night? <laughs> Do you know what you did?" And of course, nice. it's of course it's Chris. So it's one of those uh oh moments. Chris is like, <laughs> may, "Maybe I do." do i know was it good was it was it a good thing that i did right <laughs> you know the one of the most like when your parents call you in and they're like all right so why don't you tell me what you did um why don't you tell me and we'll see if our stories match right. <laughs> you're, yeah you, you're, you're sitting there staring and you're like i've done several things that i shouldn't have done recently question is which which, yeah which one do they know about at the moment and which one am i about to throw myself under the bus for so (laughs) yeah so so, they're going oh i'll take that hit if you found out about this other one i'd be dead yep (laughs) story of my childhood right there yeah so, so needless to say chris chris actually did remember proposing but that was one of the more uh more memorable i still like i have vivid memories of that night and just looking at Jessica going, what is wrong with him? <laughs> and she, like the dude said, she was mad. She was like, I don't know, but it's pissing me off. Yeah, she was, <laughs> she was hopping mad. Like, she and I were both equally mad at him for different reasons. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And I was so buzzed on NyQuil, I didn't really care. Concred, not something to laugh about. Yeah, it's not the sickest I've been at a convention. That was Phoenix, that Phoenix you and I went to. Oh, Lord, I remember that. I left... You did actually pretty well, given le- the situation. Well, I left Georgia after just having gotten over a cold, did four flights to get to Phoenix, a convention, and then four flights to get back to Georgia, and I had, like, one of the worst colds I've ever had. Yikes. Yikes. Man, I was sick at New York Comic Con, so my first convention... You had you had a rough con that, that year in general. I had... I'm really hoping this year goes more smoothly, which it should. So I, we get there and first of all, first of all, I took the train up. I was, I was in, I was, this was my first semester that I was staying in the dorms in a three person room. I mean, I'm grown folks. Like I'm, I'm not trying to be in a dorm room with two other 18 year olds. Right. So I'm an adult. (laughs) She's a grown ass man. So ass man. It's an ass man. We, <laughs> we get to, I, I take the train from Williamsburg, Virginia, not Williamsburg, New York, from Williamsburg, Virginia, all the way up to New York City, and I arrive at 2.45 in the morning. And when I get there, I take a cab from Penn Station over to the hotel, where at this point, Andrew and I are sharing the exact same room that you and Dude were sharing in that previous story. So, well, I mean, not the same number, but it was the same style room, two bunk beds, whatever. And I was dating at the time. So, and it was like really brand new. It was not, we hadn't been dating for, for more than like two or three months. Yeah. So I get there. As soon as I get there, the Jane Hotel has a big bar in the bottom of it. And as I'm getting out of the cab, they're throwing people out of the bar for the end of the night or or just that they're too drunk or whatever. So the steps are full of people, and I have this massive suitcase because I overpacked as usual. And I'm trying to go up the steps as everyone else is pouring down. 
And you had given me the number and then took something and had fallen asleep completely. Well, it was the three in the, the morning. It was three. No, I'm not blaming you, but I'm like, shit. I hope I have the right number. Like, I hope I know. And at the time, I didn't have a phone. So I just had to kind of go with what I already had written down and hope to God that it was right. Like so, when Tracy says she was living in Williamsburg, she was living the full colonial experience. No phone. Essentially. No yes. lights, no had, motor cars, no, no single lights, luxury. None of that stuff. Yeah. There were 12 of us in, the, in a single one-room house. No. So I, go, I get into, there, into the room. Andrew's completely passed out. I climb up into the top bunk, and I fall asleep. The next morning, we get up like super duper early. So I've had at this point, what, four hours of sleep at the most? Right, because Tracy needs to have the, the proper convention experience of running around sleep deprived. The only thing that <laughs> well, would have made we it better is if, right. the only thing that would have made it better is if you were hungover as fuck. That happened later. So <laughs> I, <laughs> we get to the convention the next morning on a decent breakfast. I mean, we had eaten downstairs. Get to the convention, have the whole, and oh my god, it was so packed. It was so hot. We ran around all day. I was dying of heat, and I had a couple of Cliff Bars in my backpack and a bottle for water, and that was basically all. No, that's not true. We stopped at the Euro place and we ate at lunch. But, I mean, you guys know, you burn that off so fast. So I get home, and I get a text from my then boyfriend that says, we need to talk. Mm. And I'm like, no, we don't. Oh, fuck. So It also didn't help that you knew exactly the people he'd been hanging out with all night. Exactly. And that they had been drinking fairly heavily. Yes. And he's still there, so we can't actually talk that night. I just get the ominous text message. So I'm laying, I mean, I cannot sleep. Plus, I mean, it's not a super comfortable bed anyways. So I don't think I got more than about a half an hour of real sleep on on Friday night. What, wait, wait, was this? No, that was Saturday yeah, Friday, night. Saturday night. So I've had the whole day of convention. The next day, that's when we met up with you, dude. And... I wobbled around that convention all day. So, to- I mean, I haven't eaten well. I haven't slept at all. I think at one point I almost tipped over sideways and just fell down. So at one point, finally, Andrew takes pity on me and he looks me right in the face. He's like, you can't keep doing this. So I'm going to go to Artist Alley and you find a spot and curl up and sleep. <laughs> you, you sit here. I'll be back in an hour and a half. And that's exactly, I, I just took my backpack and I propped it up against the wall. And you've seen this at conventions where there's somebody sleeping all the way along the wall. Yes, that was me. So I sat there and I slept for about an hour and then I was fine. I mean, that, we, we've definitely done the note, the, the sitting against the wall sleeping thing. There was the first, first time every, every, I don't know if it's every year now, but every couple of years, like five hour energy would have a booth there. Oh yeah. yeah. And they would just be giving out like handfuls. And by giving nice. out handfuls, I mean they would like think here, take one, and then you grab a handful and run away. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember like it was the first first time yeah, I've right. ever done a five hour energy, and like we sat down and I just like taken an entire shot, <gasps> and dude looks at me and goes, "Oh, you shouldn't have done that." <laughs> like here, oof, that's gonna be a bad one for you. Did you at least chug water afterward? Uh. Probably I not. No, dude's someone... shaking his head like no. <laughs> He's not that smart. <laughs> oh my gosh. It was a good time. You were just buzzed. Did you just spin in circles for a little while? Well, first we Probably. were, we actually spent about the next 30 minutes just sitting on the ground until the buzz <laughs> was physically, like physically just lifted me off. I levitated off the ground <laughs> from, from I the remember caffeine I did and vibrations. I something really similar when I was driving around the country back in 2010 and I had to drop off a professor of ours at the Burbank airport. And I was driving up to San Jose that day, and I we had basically come back from the bar at, like, 2 in the morning, and I had dropped him off at the airport by 4. And so I'm dead, and I got to drive. And I have no place to stay. your dumbasses had drunk dialed me. Yeah. And, and uh, I, I buy the, the black 5-hour energy drinks, like the oh, super God. strong ones, yeah. and I do the same thing he did as I chugged both of them at the same, like right away, one after the other and started to drive. And by the time I made it to the big sir, I was pissing syrup and literally had lost a layer of enamel to my teeth. 
Like that, <laughs> what happened? It was like I tried to go, like I needed to eat something and like get mouthwash, and I'm like pulled over by the side of the uh, in this parking lot at one of these like little things. I'm buying like a chicken Caesar wrap that's entirely organic, so it's disgusting. So I'm trying to eat it, and I it's like it's like sandpaper on my teeth. It's like someone's rubbing sandpaper on my teeth, and I can't swallow because I'm so burned up and dehydrated. So I'm chewing, and I'm just spitting it out next to my car oh my trying to God. drink it was really i finally make it up to like monterey at like i don't know it was probably six in the evening or you know six seven in the afternoon or something like that and i just like lay down and, and pass out and i don't wake up until like four in the morning the next day it was so when he did that i was like uh oh, you're really lucky that's the regular one <laughs> <laughs> Uh. Yeah, yeah, it was. All right, well, I think I think the uh, are great. Yeah, they are, and and uh, we're looking forward to Tracy and I will be up at New York Comic Con. Uh, so by the time this comes out, we'll I will, I will be uh, less than twenty four hours from New York, and Tracy will be joining me shortly thereafter. Yep. Yeah, we'll be up there. So if, you know, if anyone feels like uh, hit like, us up. Yeah, you know, up on Facebook is the best way. Facebook yeah. or uh, Twitter. Mm-hmm. All right, if you like what we do, make sure you head over to therefaregeek.com. You can find our blog post on our podcast. You can find us on Facebook, on Instagram, and on Twitter. And you can find this podcast and other podcasts like it on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Yes. YouTube. So once again, I'm Andrew. I'm Tracy. Hulk smash! And you've it been just looks like, with this figure, it just looks like he's punching his balls. He's like, ah, take that, genitals! <laughs> And you've been listening to Therefore I Geek. <laughs>